You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and we have a bit of a throwback special. Well, the World Cup is coming up um, in Qatar. We're not bored about that. We're not there in um, Qatar, awful human rights. So let's do what we've been used to doing since 1998 and look back at previous tournaments. Um, and we're going to go way back to um, Spain in 1982. I was only one, so I have absolutely zero recollections. But one man who has lots of recollections, so much so, he wrote a, a book about um, Scotland in Spain 82, Tom Brogan. Tom, welcome along. How are you doing? Hi, John. Great. Thanks very much for asking me on. No, it's um, thank you very much for coming on. Um, and yeah, so the the title of Tom's book is called "We Made Them Angry." Um, it's fair to say what the inspiration was behind that. Yeah, it's um, what a lot of people said we did to Brazil after we took the lead against them, because of course we went uh, one 0 up, and then we got absolutely hammered. Um, I think Andy Cameron, among others. Uh, said that, or, or a, a variation of it, and through the years, a lot of the players have, have said that. You know, I wish we hadn't done it because all we did was all we did was annoy them. Yeah, we yeah. Certainly, certainly did. Um, you don't want to make a team like Brazil. We had that, I think had that goal come in like this eighty fifth minute, it might have been okay. <laughs> <laughs> but to come, um, you know, what was it, twenty odd minutes in the game? Yeah, it just gives Brazil more time yeah. to just flex our muscles, but. Yeah, they were a, a top team, arguably. I mean, we'll come on it later. Arguably, the best team not to have won a World Cup. But yeah. in terms of the overall idea of the book itself, you know, what this this year was obviously forty years since that tournament. What um, gave you the inspiration to write about that tournament specifically? Well, I'd written a book about. Um, I, I spoke Clyde Bank, uh, oh. and I'd written a book about Clyde Bank MC, which remains unpublished, um, and, and I took. It's something about three years uh, to, to write that book, and, and it covered it covered Clybank from um, just before the time where the, the, the Steedman brothers brought, bought into Clybank Juniors and merged them with uh, East Stirlingshire, and um, I, and eventually I, I did go back and look at the, the earlier years when they were Clybank Juniors. But I, so I wrote that from nineteen sixty. Three to 1980, I stopped at the, 19, uh, the end of the 79-80 season. So I, I took so long and waded through so many weeks worth of Claybank presses and and uh, tracked down no players and stuff like that, that I, w- once I kind of finished that, I kind of learned how to research a book. I kind of learned uh, where to go, archives to, to look at, and how you could how you could track down things, and how you could get in touch with players and stuff like that. And it felt like I had to kind of do something more with it, with the kind of things that I'd learned doing that. And I kind of thought I'd rather take a shorter period, uh, and instead of trying to research a, a decade or a decade and a half, let's look at a, a shorter period. So I think I was just I was at a book event and just sort of daydreaming. And initially, I come up with well, a, Sc- a Scottish World Cup because that's just you know it's just a fortnight kind of thing, you know. Uh, and I thought Spain '82 or Mexico '86, and and very quickly I settled on Spain '82. Um, 
just because I think it was a more exciting tournament. You know, we scored eight goals, we conceded eight goals. You know, we played Brazil, you know, we hammered. Uh, New Zealand shot ourselves in the foot, we beat New Zealand. We had that great game against Brazil. Uh, and uh, then a kind of dramatic game against the, the, the Soviet Union, whereas Mexico is maybe no quite as much uh, to to write about. I'm sure you could still get a good book out of the Mexico World Cup. But anyway, I kind of settled on Spain '82, and, and it was a World Cup. I remember. I remember. I remember '86 well as well. But by '86, I was watching the game with um, sort of school pals kind of thing. So we were we were either I was either running at their house or they were running at my house uh, watching it. But um, Spain 82, I kind of just watched with my dad. But that was my first, I was 10 years old. So that was my first uh, tournament watching uh, it from, from, the, from, from, the, from the start and watching it with kind of uh, anticipation, you know. I still remember sitting down, um, waiting for, the, waiting for the, the New Zealand game to, 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 to kick off. Uh, so so that, was, that, that was a good idea for... Um, Spain eighty two. So once I had that, once I'd settled on that, I was kind of, I was kind of off and running. Do you remember? You know, um, you also say you're watching with your dad and stuff. Do Do you remember? Because obviously, I remember um, Italian ninety and some of the merchandise that came out with the Coca Cola football national coin collection. What sort of merchandise yeah. would you have had back in eighty two as a ten year old? Well, I, I remember obviously I remember the Panini sticker book. Mm-hmm. I would, I would have had, I would have had that. Uh, and it never came close to never came close to to, uh, to to filling it, and I would have had the Scotland shirt at the time. Uh, I had that I had that shirt, but I, I don't recall I don't recall it being much being much else uh, other than other than that. I don't think it was uh, again the first strings. I think were kind of shorter at the time, so you wouldn't be sort of you know decked out in lots of lots of gear or anything like that. You know. Um, you would just sort of covet stuff that you saw and, and shoot, but you wouldn't necessarily be allowed to to get it, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, eighty six. I, I remember the, the the clothing. I remember the sort of clothing range that came out in eighty six with the tracky top, and the tracky bottoms, and the cardigans and all that kind of stuff. The polo shirts. I don't think there was as much of that in nineteen eighty two. I think it was the, it was the replica kit, and uh, and and that was that was about it. It's my recollection anyway. Yeah, I think to be fair, um, so, um, you know, the collectibles were more of a nineties thing, um, as it turned out to be. Yeah. Um, because um, you you see a lot of people talking about it now, but maybe that's just me um, looking at more age group and some people I follow on Twitter and stuff. But um, we digress. So yeah, um, I mean, what what I thought was really interesting, um, yeah, just talk a wee bit about the the research that was in, uh, involved, um, because obviously, you know, writing about something from four years ago, you you'd you might get some footage in YouTube and stuff, but getting articles, you know, would have been difficult unless like you went to the library or how much material did you have to work with? Yeah, well, I mean, first thing I did was I looked online. It's amazing how much stuff you can find online. I, th- I think one of the first things I found was uh, the official FIFA report of the, of the World Cup, which was um, stored as a PDF somewhere online. I think I might have found that through the Wikipedia page for the 82 World Cup. I think I was just down in the sources. Um, and there's, I found a lot of programmes online, which, so I, I just I would start folders and would just start compiling compiling research. Um, I've got a membership of the National Library of Scotland, and, and with that, that gets you a lot of digital resources where you can, you can search a lot of them. Um, 
a lot of uh, articles like from the from the Daily Records, you know, from from about the mid nineties. So you, you find a lot of sort of retrospective. You know, every now and again, the Daily Record or the Times or somewhere, I'll, I'll, I'll interview yeah, a Scottish player about that World Cup. You know, a game against Brazil will come up or something like that, and they'll and they'll get they'll get somebody along. So I find a lot of retrospective uh, interviews through through doing that. Uh, and, and then it was basically going to the going to the Mitchell Library and just starting from a certain point, and then just going up to the Mitchell Library and going and getting the Daily Record and the Sunday Mail, etc. Uh, et, et and then just working, just working through it, so day by day, uh, basically. Um, uh, I so it was just going up after work and uh, and sitting at a, a, a microfilm and looking through and looking through it, um, looking through the Daily Record and. The, the Evening Times and that kind of day by day. Evening Times and Glasgow Herald, of course, are sort of online for that period uh, and on the, the Google News archive. Um, and then it was a, ma a matter of working out what players had, had uh, autobiographies and what other books there were. So again, that's just searching the catalogues in the Mitchell Library and the National Library of Scotland and in uh, and, and Edinburgh and finding what books what books uh, are out there in relation to the relation to the the, the World Cup, the Scotland. Team and uh, the different other books that they'd, that uh, that had, had come out, you know, the Scott Sport Preview Book of the World Cup kind of thing, you know. In, in terms of finding uh, finding the footage, I had uh, I had a download of the Scotland Brazil game that I downloaded off the internet somewhere uh, years ago, and I found another website that was selling bootleg DVDs. And I got the other two games uh, as, as as DVDs, so I was able to watch I was able to watch all three all three matches. Uh, with the original, with the original commentary, and uh, during lockdown, uh, BBC uh, repeated the, the USSR game, and it was actually the, the recording of it I had was ITV's commentary, but the BBC also was BBC's commentary. So uh, again, you got another sort of set of uh, commentary and and uh, and uh, sort of co co commentator kind of thing, you know. So uh, and so just sort of gradually, you sort of you sort of compile it through. Compile it through that, you know, and then you find you've got a lot of a lot of material to to, to wade through. Yeah, def definitely. What were the hardest chapters to write? You've also got good, uh, a good few chapters in there, but um, what were the hardest ones from your point of view? I, I think I think probably I, I would I would say, I mean, I, I wanted to, I wanted to write about the uh, the threat of the Falklands War, which. Um, uh, which sort of hung over Scotland's Scotland's participation in the World Cup and the participation of of, of all the UK nations because there was a lot of talk that Scotland uh, that Scotland and Northern Ireland should pull out of that tournament. I, <coughs> excuse me, I think it was um, trying down that information and some of that information was quite dry, you know, because you're looking through uh, Hansards for different things that were said, uh, um. You know, by by MPs at, at the time, so a lot of that information was kind of dry. So it was kind of trying to make that kind of kind of uh, interesting uh, and keep the and keep it coherent as well. But I think again, the um, the chapters with the games was was probably the most the most difficult because you get so much to work with because you you've got your your own notes on watching the footage and numerous newspaper reports and all the players talking about it. So it was, it was to try and get all that into a coherent story, not to say so much that it's kind of uh, you know you're, that you're writing sixty pages about you know you're, you're doing a page a minute kind of thing you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, <coughs> excuse me, and to try and keep um, 
try try and keep the interest level up and, and get the wee sort of feeling of that there's a that there's a there's a game that there's a game going. So uh, I think all that was kind of kind of hard to juggle to keep it to keep it interesting and to try and because you've obviously there's a lot of different voices talking about uh, talking about the about the games when you look back at the, what the players have said about games and a lot of biographies and retrospective uh, interviews and kind of thing and it, and also to kind of make sure you're not repeating yourself because a lot of the players said a lot of similar similar things about what they'd experienced. Uh, so I think that was those three chapters were probably the most. Uh, the, the most difficult to kind of to kind of juggle and and make sure that you're you're actually getting the best in, information. You're not you're not trying to be you're not being too dry uh, with it, and you can keep a coherent story going. Yeah, I mean the the Falklands, but um, you know, was interesting um, to myself because a lot of people forget about the Falklands War. It's almost like a forgotten war, and um, yeah. you know, you, you don't think at that time that. God, you could have got Argentina, who were the World Cup holders at that time. It was a good possibility. And then, yeah, and we're obviously in an era now where there's, unfortunately, war going on elsewhere and, you know, the political yeah. conflict. So, um, yeah, that was interesting to read. But thankfully, obviously, um, football decided it was best to um, carry on. In terms of the... Um, the From when you um, first came up with the idea, I'm going to write about Spain 82 to when you hit the sub, um, submission button to send the final draft to um, Pitch Publishing. How long was that process? Uh, oh, it was... It was probably a good couple of years, but yeah. I, I, I didn't pitch the idea to Pitch Publishing until I'd actually had a draft finished. Mm-hmm. I could probably have pitched... Uh, I mean, i just done it on, on spec. I just, I just started writing it myself without any any notion. Of uh, of it being of it being published, so I, I could oh. probably have pitched it to pitch publishing at least six months before it before I did. Mm-hmm. So w- when uh, I pitched it, it was already done. So mm-hmm. when they gave me a date, it was like thirteen months. A publishing date was about thirteen months away. T- to be honest, if they gave me a date that was four months away, I could have I could have got it all tidied up and, and sent into them uh, in that mm-hmm. time. So I actually had a, a big chunk of time when I didn't really sort of do much of anything because it was 13 mm-hmm. months away and I was like well I'll leave it for a few months before I actually get back in to start tidying to start tidying it tidying it up uh, and, and and adding more things and then once I got that um, publishing date then I started to track down some people to, to interview uh, as well you know so it, it could it could have been done it could have been done quicker if I'd had you know if, if I'd if I'd um, had a publishing date from it from early on. It could have been done. It could have been done quicker, but it was probably about two and a half years or something, um, and 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 in total. Well, but then today you still got a good book out, and uh, yeah, I liked how you interviewed, um, you interviewed like Sir Kevin Donnelly, um, who I always had in my yeah. book. You know, I, I always like the fans' perspective. You know, I think that's, you know, um, that that's what helps bring your book to the fore as well. You know, because let's be honest. Most people could probably write about what the qualifying campaign was like, what the games were like, because you know people have seen that. But I think it's the stories from like you. You obviously got the play, um, players' autobiographies and taking from stuff from that, and obviously recognise where they came from and speaking to fans, just getting all those different ideas. I think help pieces that book nicely together. Yeah, I I, I made a, a conscious decision not to bother trying to track down all, all, all the players. Most of the players that have got their they've got their story. 
for Spain eighty Spain eighty two, they've been telling the story for about for, about forty years. I, I you know, I've been quite happy to speak to Billy Miller or Graham soonest, but I wouldn't have imagined they would have told me much different than they'd already given in numerous interviews o- over the years, kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, although there's a few Scottish players who haven't written autobiographies, uh, like Frank Gray and Issa Hartford, for example. And I know Steve Archibald was talking about writing his autobiography, but as far as I'm aware, there's still not a book out with Steve Archibald. So th- there are certainly guys that haven't said an awful lot uh, about that period and indeed really their, their careers as a, as a whole, who, who I would have been interested uh, to speak to, to, to hear about it. But um, I, I realised I wanted to speak to the I wanted to speak to the, the fans because it's, the Scotland fans have always got a story, no matter what what tournament it is or what or what match it is. You know they always go in they always go in numbers and they always find uh, you know a variety of ways uh, a variety of ways to go. You know and and my my brother was there. My brother's seventeen years older than me, so he was uh, he was over there. You know and he'd obviously told the stories through the years as well. You know so. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I wanted to get a, a, a group of, of uh, Scottish supporters, I, I, and I think they all worked quite well together. They all had they all had a lot of kind of dash stories kind of thing, you know. That they were all uh, they all seemed to go over there just to just to enjoy enjoy it kind of thing. Nobody just went over, sat in the hotel, went to watch a game, and went back home again. You know, they all they all sort of got up got up to things kind of thing, you know. Uh, and I think that's probably to uh, any any tournament Scotland Scotland fans are, you know. So I think that I think that and that that enhanced it. Uh, I think that enhanced it for me as well. I enjoyed uh, weaving all that kind of stuff in, all, all the different different stories, and because I spoke to people from different different areas, uh, different areas as well, kind of thing for different places, and they got there on different routes and all that kind of stuff. I thought that the, that that helps it, it helped the enjoyment of me for writing it as well. Yeah, de- definitely, and it was certainly a good addition to um, the book. But in terms of, um, you know, the story that um, that got that made this book possible, obviously, it was the team itself. Um, so, what I found fascinating because, um, you know, I didn't know much about the qualifying campaign. Obviously, I was one year old um, when this all happened. Yeah. When the, the when we were playing the finals, so um, <laughs> I have no recollections at all. I've probably been playing with Thomas the Tank Engine at that point. <laughs> Um, so I know all about the the matches because you can see the, the in the actual tournament, but the qualifying campaign I thought was interesting um, because we played we played eight games. Um, I didn't realise we drew as many as three, um, but we still ended up winning the group. It's, it looked quite a tight group, um, but you know, so we came top of a group with um, Sweden, Northern Ireland. Uh, so Northern Ireland were second. We were top. Sweden, Portugal, and Israel. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, if you look to that group now. You would think Scotland would be doing well to get second place in that group, but we actually won that group, and it was almost yeah. expected in some way. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely was. Um, I don't think so, you know Portugal hadn't really been a, been a, a force for that for a few years, uh, but I mean Sweden and Portugal were, were were sort of well quoted, and of course we knew all about Northern Ireland because we played them every year at that point in the, in the home and the home internationals, you know. But I, I think very much. Uh, we were expected to qualify for that group, and we were looking, we were looking to, to win the group, you know. And we were hoping that everybody would take points off each each other, which I think kind of happened in the way they, you know, they, they did all manage to beat sort of one one another. I think Israel were kind of dismissed as a kind of like they're not going to qualify, but it'll be a difficult, it'll be difficult to go over there to to, to beat them. 
uh, kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's remarkable to think that Sweden, Portugal, uh, Nor- Northern Ireland, all teams that we would we would we would really have tough games against against now. And of course, we have played Israel plenty over the over the last few years, few years as well. But yeah, the only game we lost, we'd already qualified. It was the last game uh, away to, to Portugal, and we'd, we'd already qualified before we before we lost before we lost that game. So. Yeah, it's uh, I, uh, remarkable. But we had we had a great team, and um, we, we we had a great uh, we had a great squad, you know. And, and he had, uh, as well as the guys that he took, uh, just spare eventually, you know. There was guys like Archie Gamble and Andy Gray and Kenny Burns uh, about there as well, you know what I mean. So he had a good squad and and depth, you know. Um, so yeah, and obviously at Hamden uh, in those days, Scotland could Scotland could be anybody. Did you get to any of the qualifiers yourself? Being, um, no, I didn't. My, my, my first Scotland game was 1986. Uh, Kerry Douglas's 100th cap was my first Scotland game. <laughs> nice. That would have been a good one to have um, gone to. Um, so yeah. obviously, yeah, um, I mean, that's a shame you never got it. But you also, in those days as well, it wouldn't have been like, live TV. It, you might have got one live game at that point. Um which... Uh, you get, you get the occasional, I remember the Sweden game, the first game, the Sweden game was on live, uh, Sweden mm-hmm. and Stockholm. That game was on live. Uh, Away games recall... I intended to be live more than the home ones, to be fair. Yeah, I don't recall any of the Hamden games being live. That that was a kind of, you know, you, you, were, you were asking if you could sit up till, you know, half ten at night or whatever to watch sports scene, you know. To see the you know the the, the twenty minutes of, twenty minutes of highlights kind of thing, but yeah, I don't I don't I, I, that's the only game I can recall. Being a, being on being on live at the time, yeah, yeah. And in terms of um, you know, when you're watching it, when when you're watching, it, I mean, I don't know if it was live draw because obviously that's back in the days where I don't even think Channel Four had came out at that point, so it would have been just your three terrestrial ta- channels. Yeah. Um. So how did you find out um who Scotland are playing and what was your reaction when you saw Brazil, Soviet Union, New Zealand? Well, I I don't know if I can remember. It was it was online. I get your only both, ten at a time. <laughs> yeah, both uh, BBC and and, and, and STV crowbarred it into this the tea time the tea time schedules. You know, just going off my dad's my dad's reaction. You know what I mean? I think my dad was was uh, you know gutted we got we got Brazil and and the Soviets. You know, I think my dad was aware that it was you know it was going to be another World Cup of heartache kind of thing. But he didn't let on. He didn't let on to me. You know, but um. I think yeah, I think he was aware it was going to be a, it was going to be a tough group, you know. Uh, and I was just full of youth, youthful optimism uh, and, and naivety, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, and you know, did you have like the a wall chart or anything in those in those days? I did, I had the Ladybirds book, the mm. the, the Ladybird book of the World Cup. I had I had that. Um, I can't recall a specific wall chart, but uh, I certainly I certainly had that. But um, there would have been there would have been something that, that came out in shoot or um, the Daily Record or something. Uh, there, there definitely would have been, but I, I can't say for definite that I had something like that. Yeah, but you remember the Lady Bird World Cup book? Oh yeah, I definitely, I definitely had that. I definitely the Lady Bird World Cup nineteen eighty two book. Yeah. Yeah, Aye, well, well, there you go. We've got our memorabilia. Um, so there was some memorabilia <laughs> in eighty two. Um, in terms of um. In terms of what the you know some of the pre-match, uh, I say pre-match, pre-tournament hype, you know, um, you know, I, I obviously remember, I only remember bits about Italian ninety, but France ninety, I remember being so incredibly hype, uh, hyped up. I've never seen a tournament pre- preview like it because Scotland were playing the game. Even Euro twenty twenty, 
um, or delayed you, so that's why it wasn't quite the hype of France 98 for me. But what was Spain 82 like? Well, well Spain 82 for, for, for Scotland, I, I think the expectations were, were, uh, were lowered after, uh, after Argentina 78. Where uh, we, we went, we went there in a, in a blaze of glory, expecting to, to go and get to the final, you know. So I, th- I think uh, I think Jock Steens uh, did well to sort of temper expectations, kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it was very much that if we were to qualify for the second round, we'd be do- we'd be doing well. Um, but uh, I, I I remember just sort of looking forward to the, the tournament, the tournament as a whole. It was at a good, it was on at a good time. Uh, sort of, uh, you know, sort of, you know, late afternoon fixtures and evening, evening fixtures, kind of thing, you know. Um, so I, I, I would have watched pretty much everything that was that was on that was on at the time, you know. And again, this is an era where you're not getting many live, uh, televised games at, at that point. You're getting your, the European Cup final and the Scotland England game, which was your, your standard live games. You maybe get the. Uh, Scottish Cup final, and then you maybe get the FA Cup final if it went to a replay kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So you would you would get your sort of uh, condensed group of live matches around around about May. So I think the anticipation of getting this sort of cavalcade of football, you know, for for whatever it was, three, four, four weeks, you know. I mean, I think it was it was uh, it was always very exciting that you were just going to get a load of a load of live games, you know, of a of a of, a, of, a, of a Tuesday afternoon kind of thing, you know. Yeah, and um, oh, I and I, I remember something you, you put in something um that you remember watching. It was called the game, which was um about th- um a couple of um mates watching um the World Cup in seventy eight. Yeah. I remember watching that in France ninety eight, but I think yeah, it was Andy Gray that was um yeah, it was yeah doing that and uh, Phil Stella and uh, Alex Norton who you wouldn't have thought had no interest in football at all, play these characters so well. But that was obviously a modern day remake of that one. I didn't realise yeah. until I read your book that I love that show, but I can't find yeah. anyone else to um you know to speak to it about it. Because, you know, right. they almost I, think, I think that's I think that's the version that's on YouTube. I think you can find that version yes. on on YouTube. I was uh, happy when I found I, that I sent it to Colin McCready yeah. because we were talking about it and then um, Grant right. Stott. <laughs> Uh, they redone it for the ninety eight the ninety eight World Cup. Yeah, I think I think it was it was originally at the at the Edinburgh Festival. I think uh, in nineteen seventy nine. Uh, I, th- I think uh, originally just after the after the seventy after the seventy eight World Cup. You know, um, uh, so it's it's amazing again how much the it sort of captures the imagination. You know, against Scottish fans, just fans just watching football matches. You know how involved. Scottish fans get in their, their team's games. Yeah, well, maybe they'll do a, re- a remake of um, That Night in Serbia, which is just everyone watching um, in their house <laughs> and, um, you know, talking, <laughs> you know, the film with each other reactions. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't have had, just as well, there wasn't any um, viruses like in, 1980, in 1982. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so in terms of the tournament itself, so um, the fixtures, Jockstein, from what I'm reading about, says he it, it wasn't a bad order getting the so-called easier one out of the way first. New yeah, Zealand. Out of the so, way first, yeah. Um, but you know, so when that game five two, we're three 0 up, and then we let New Zealand back in the game for getting another couple of goals. You know, it's almost like it was a high, but then a bit of a negative from. Um, but five two is still a decent scoreline in the World Cup. Yeah, but it no, wasn't I'm, perceived I'm, as that at the time. No, it wasn't. It wasn't because it, it was perceived we should have beat them about five nothing. You know, because I think. 
uh, if you watched, we absolutely pummeled them very early on. We're much, we're much faster uh, than them, you know. And everybody's, everybody's attacking, you know. Um, you know, Frank Grace flying up one wing, Danny McGrain's flying up the other. Gordon Strachan's bursting through the middle. John Wark, you know, we we really suggested in the first half that we were going to come out and, and beat them five or five or six nothing, you know. But then we just sort of switch off and and lose those and lose lose those two goals, you know. And then for a for a, a short period, you know, we're in danger of getting getting clawed back to a, to a draw, you know. And then uh, John Robertson comes up with that cracking free kick kind of thing, you know. So, I it was a good result, but I think there, there really was a kind of, you know, those two goals are going to are going to hurt us. I think there, there really was a sense, uh, a sense of that that we should really, have, you know, done the business pro- properly, you know. Um, but we just sort of, sort of switched off, you know, and gave them gave them two goals. Yeah, and in some ways that did come back because of what was going to happen in the next game. But before we even talk about the next game, I nearly forgot to bring this up. The best World Cup song from from Scotland ever. We have a dream. Um, see when um, the, the the BBC did the, the what was that programme called? It was um, Scotland's, Scotland's Football Jukebox um, on BBC yeah, yeah. before Euro 2020. And, um, you know, they were replaying some of the old classics. We have a dream with a, a shadow of a doubt blows every single one of them out of the water it's the best and it wasn't quite the hype of um you know andy cameron's ali's army great chin in yeah. itself but it, again it, it just encapsulated what it was about because you know there was a dream that we could go to the tournament and do something yeah yeah I, there was you know and, and it was uh because we crowbarred everybody into it you know john gordon sinclair you know who, who was popular obviously after after gregory's girl and B.A. Robertson, who was regularly in the charts, you know, and then they had the tight band in, and when and when they uh, when they did the uh, recording, they got Alan Wells and Willie Carson and uh, Miss Scotland, and they, they just crowbarred everybody uh, with any kind of Scottish uh, connection uh, into it. But yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's an entertaining song for 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 for, for, for what it is, you know, because uh, it does you know, it tells a story. Story songs are always. Are always are always are always entertaining, you know. And it was actually a reasonable hit. I think it stayed in the charts longer than the England, uh, than, than the, the England song did uh, as well, you know. And I think all the Scotland players had, had fun with it as well. As they all tell the stories of just getting hammered in the, the green room at the, the BBC studios when they did when they did top of the pops, you know. So, um, ah, yeah, it was just again, it was just that wee bit, of, just having a bit of having a bit of fun and actually not taking ourselves too seriously for for once. Well, that's why they were swaying in the video. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Pops, because they did a few whiskeys or whatever too many. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely class, but no, it was a, it was a, a great song. Um, and, you know, we were dreaming um, after 20 odd minutes when David Neary um, top up the ball into the top corner. And they, Jimmy Hill, God rest his soul, used it and almost a derog- well, it was taken as a derogatory term. Yeah. But, you know, Chris um, mentioned this um, when he was describing the goal that Ireland scored in the women's game. There's nothing wrong with a top oak. You know, it's, no. <laughs> why should it be so dismissive? If it gets you a goal, who bloody cares? Yeah. Well, well, I said, well Jimmy Hill had sort of ins- insisted that it was a, it was a skill, and, and mm-hmm. his day a, a top oak was a, was, a, was a skill, but it was just it seemed to be just taken the wrong way. And yeah. and Archie McPherson talks about how. Uh, Jock Steen seemed to really take a really take offence uh, at it, even though Jock Steen and Jimmy Hill had always got on quite well. He seemed to really take take offence at it. But if you're listening to the commentary, you know Jimmy Hill's supporting 
Scotland. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you hear him talking, you know, he's, he's, uh, he, he's, you know, he's looking for Scotland to, to get a goal. He's looking for Scotland to get to get the win. You know, what I mean, it's no any kind of biased commentary that he's that he's uh, he's looking for Brazil to, to 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 beat them or thinking that Scotland are just are just there for the taking kind of thing. You know, his, his commentary is very very positive in in terms of. Uh, Wanting Scotland to make the to make the to make the breakthroughs, you know. So I think he probably did get a raw deal. I mean, he was obviously the pantomime villain for Scottish fans for a for a num for a number of years, which I think uh, Jimmy Hill in a way quite enjoyed, you know. But um, uh, I, I don't I don't think he was actually being derogatory about about Scotland at, at, at all. Yeah, and you know he took all that completely the right way. He just. You know, shrugged it off. You know, he knew there was certain songs sung about that you would never in a million years get yeah. away with now. You know, the merchandise, now, yeah. you know, that was, um, so won't use that language on this podcast, but this was scarce being sold of it. He just took it all in good fun. And I remember before France 98, he went on McCoy and Macaulay and said, In my defence, I never said it was this poor toe folk. And, you know, he got a lot, <laughs> I think he got a lot of respect after that. And I thought, Well played, Jimmy. Um, no. Good guy, um, God rest his soul, as I say before. <laughs> but yeah. we made them angry, Brazil. I mean, they just obviously flexed their muscles, got to half time, which great free kick by Zico. Um, and then second half, <laughs> I think yeah, the only thing with Scotland, you know, there's, there's always a perception when you know Brazil with this fair, fair play and attacking. We have a knack of losing set piece goals against them. It happened in France and then it happened in this one, a near post header as well. From was it Oscar yeah, that scored yeah. it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I get him soonest admitted he was culpable for that for losing his man at the at, at the near post. Yeah, that's the the one thing they said was a sort of was a, a British goal with with lost. Maybe the only avoid, avoidable one of the of the four uh, because they were all they were all absolutely we have were all absolutely class. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're no stopping uh, things like that. Eders Eders chip and uh, Zico's Zico's free kick. You know, although Alan Ruff's get you know. A story of how he was unsighted and you know the, the, he was meant to move one way and he didn't kind of stuff. Nobody stopped a free kick, free kick like that. You know, it's just hit so, so, so sweetly. You know, but by a guy who just practiced doing that and I think he just do it effortlessly. It was Posey stamp that free kick. Um, but I mean, when you're watching that, I mean, Falcao's goals a good one as well, and off the post, a well hit shot, yeah. Um, and that obviously sealed the deal. Um, but in terms of when you're watching that, obviously, you're gutted as a Scotland fan to see your team getting pummeled. But when you're watching Brazil, what is going through your mind? Well, I, I, I mean, it, it might be like the first time of sort of um, appreciating that you're getting beat by good football kind of thing, you know. I say, I'm only, I'm only. Ten, you know, but I think to, to, to understand that you can't really s- prevent this kind of thing. You kind of complain that you're your team. You're actually watching something that's something that's different. That's different class, you know. I mean, you'll see it you're, yourself at, at club level every now and again. Somebody will score a goal against you. That was brilliant, you know. You can't argue with that, you know. And uh, yeah, and, and that was what we get served. What we get served up. Uh, what we get served up that night, you know. And again, watching it with my dad, you know. I mean, my dad always knew that. Brazil were expected to, to beat us, and we done well to take the to take the, the lead against them. You know, so I don't remember there being any sort of bitterness that we taken we taken a, a, a hammering. You know, and I think it was still that kind of well. You know, there's there's that one game left to go. I mean, Jock Steen has kind of told the players to just write off that Brazil game. Like we're going to beat the Brazil, they're going to beat Russia, they're going to beat us, and it's going to be doing to us. It's going to be doing to the game between us and the Soviets. 
Uh, so he, I think he'd already kind of dis- discounted that match, although we could have done to get beat, but less goals, you know, because obviously um, the, the Soviets took the lead and get beat only 2-1, though, but, but two, two brilliant goals, but they get, they get beat uh, late on, but, but only two goals by, uh, by Brazil, but, um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, I don't think we were too dis- disheartened. Again, like you were saying earlier on, it was a team everybody expected to win the World Cup, so I, I think it was that kind of thing of we've been beaten by the team that are going to go and win this, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was no, it was uh, no disgrace. Yeah, definitely not. And then comes the, the Soviets, who were a, a very good side in the early eighties, because um, obviously they were one big country at this point. And uh, you know, we need to win the game. We're in a good position. And then second half, I mean, everyone will talk about the second goal. You know, that obviously goes without saying. It's like. The Benny yeah. Hill moment, you know, two class defenders of their day running into each other, two class defenders who couldn't play in the same team, um, in the same set of defence, should I say. But the first goal, it's not great defending either, it must be said. No, it's um, not. It's just, um, you know, trying hash clearances and making a pig's area. And yeah, at that level, you just get punished, and that's what happened to us. Yeah, no, I, 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 absolutely. Yeah, the first goal was a bit of a, was a, bit of a shambles as, as well, yeah. Uh, and then and that's it. Can I heads go down at that at that point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you're watching it, when that happens with Sunis and Hansen, what Milan Hansen, um, and Shingela goes through rounds rough and puts it to one. There's only what six, seven, eight minutes left in the clock. Yeah. You know, did, were you tempted to turn the tail off at that point, or um, was it head no, and hands moment? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think I was ever one for turning the, the TV off. Uh, I don't think my dad was uh, was either, you know. But I, it was kind of gutting, and you knew that was us out because at that point we needed two, and we were, you know, we were struggling to stay in it at that point. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just that way again. If you, you no, no matter how many times you you watch it and you slow it down, you still kind of quite understand how it's how it's happened, you know. And over over the years, they both basically blame each other, you know. I, I think largely Alan Hansen gets, gets the blame for it, but uh, you know, Hansen will tell you it was. It was Willie Miller that should have that should have get, get out the get out the road. It was his ball of the way kind of thing, you know. But uh, it's just such a crazy, just such a, a crazy collision. And then I don't think Alan Ruff covers himself in, in glory, you know. Alan Ruff mm-hmm. is doing what he spotted a, a fifty pence piece in the ground, you know. He he goes, he goes to ground quite quite quickly, you know. And he he says uh, he was thinking about does he does he pull the does he pull him down kind of thing, give away a penalty, but he doesn't even get close enough really. To, yeah. To do that, you know. So yeah, no, it's just an absolute sickener of a sickener of a goal. No, we had a glimmer of hope as soon as hits the ball in the net. It's a good finish as well, but um, it came too late, and it meant for the third World Cup in a row we went out in yeah. goal difference. You know, um, another yeah, chapter it, of glorious failure, shall we say? <laughs> and if if you look at it again, something wouldn't happen now. There was about forty-five seconds of added on of added on time. Uh, which is something obviously that doesn't doesn't happen doesn't happen these days. If you get you know less than two minutes the second half, it's a, a surprise, you know. And and the, and the Soviets were uh, was it time wasting, you know. And the referee was making a point of saying he was going to add he was going to add the time on, but you know, it's forty five seconds added on. In those days, though, I don't I don't think it was uh, commonplace to get five six minutes added on at the end. But uh, again, like nowadays. That that game would have had about five minutes of uh, five minutes added on time uh, mm-hmm. at the end of it, but but yeah, I out again on on the on goal difference, which is just a, 
I, you know, I, I just kind of, I don't know, I think it's probably worse. Yeah. Just getting getting dumped out early on. Mm-hmm. In terms of the um, the rest of the tournament, um, you know, so what was the best game that you saw um, in that tournament? Well, I, I think it's, it's a Brazil, it's a Brazil Italy game, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember, I remember that. I remember that game well. But having, having said that, um, I would maybe make a case for the West Germany France semi final because uh, mm-hmm. that game goes to the extra time. And again, I, I'm ten years old, so you know, what I mean, my recollection is I was up late. You know that that, that game would, you know went went to extra time. And I, I, I couldn't tell you it was eight o'clock kickoff or something like that, maybe. So you're talking about maybe the back of ten, but uh, and, and again that game had everything, and obviously had that uh, had a thick assault on Batistone by, by Schumacher kind of thing, you know. So it was it was very <laughs> yeah, I know that was very it was very it was very dramatic. So so it would be between between those two uh, those those two games. I think maybe the West Germany France game would edge it because it went extra time and then and then penalty kicks. You know, I think it was probably the first. Game like that that I'd that I'd experienced for a you know a sort of long evening kind of thing you know you, you start off in, in daylight you know and then you go into you go into uh, to, to night time you know and um, like I say again had everything and again a lot of, a lot of great players and uh, in, in that game as well you know what I mean like, like Platini and Jerez and like Basque and Rumeniger and all that as well so a lot a lot of greats uh, on show there uh, as well. Yeah, who's the best player of the tournament for you? Well, again, it's like uh, you know, Zico stands out. Paolo, pa- Paolo Rossi stands out, but only because he scored goals. I mean, he he didn't um obviously that 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 Brazil game. You know, he didn't he didn't really give an indication early on in the tournament that he was going to be he was going to be a, a standout. You know, but again, the French guys like Platini uh, as well. You know, but I probably you know Zico and either were the were the kind of names that you went back to school. Uh, talking about you know, and uh, like I say, some of the some of the, the French guys, and uh, I always remember Tardelli's goal in that final, that final as as well, you know. Um, so I well, this is the thing; it's it's probably the first time that I, you know I, I uh, recognise a lot of fun players, you know what I mean, and, and you know in the school playgrounds that you were pretending to be, you know, French guys and Italian guys and Brazilian guys, <laughs> Argentinians and all that kind of stuff. You know, that was probably the first. Uh, the, the 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 first time you know that you'd you kind of expanded your sort of football horizons kind of thing you know what I mean and you started to go oh, he plays for Juventus Boniek plays for Juventus and Platini plays for Juventus and you know I mean you started to get a little bit more of a sort of European perspective on uh, on, on 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 football it wasn't just the Scottish Scottish Premier and the Scottish First Division you know you started to know guys that played. For uh, for teams in Spain and 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 uh, and Italy kind of thing, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, because obviously that's in days when you very really got to see any European football. Now you can see it just whenever you want, just with a click of a button. Um, yeah. In terms of your, apart from the Scotland kit, because that was a classic. What was your favourite kits in that tournament? My favourite kits, I can get again, probably the probably the, the Brazil one. Uh, with, the, with the yellow, but I remember the France, remember the the, 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 mm. the French kit as well. Uh, it was 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 a nice one. I had the Poland one. I had I had the, the red Poland right. away. Uh, these were the days for in the Claybank shopping centre. There was an army and navy stores, and, and they were just a random football tops, random football tops, random football shorts. You know, and I had I had that Poland Poland away, away one, which was just like a red 
Um, Adidas red with white Adidas and a white and a white collar and the Polska uh, uh, crest. So uh, yeah, I, I have to I have to give that a mention because I did actually have that. I did actually have that shirt. Uh, maybe I didn't have it in '82. I maybe had it a few years a few years later. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, if if I have such a thing, that was my favourite England kit. That that uh, that England's the home kit with the with the blue and red across the uh, across the, the shoulders. If I have such a thing as a favourite England kit, that that mm-hmm. that the '82 versions uh, is my favourite England kit. But um, you didn't buy it, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. Absolutely, didn't buy it. No, not at all. Uh, but yeah, I, that that uh, I, that that England kit is my favourite England England top. Yeah, it was a decent win, to be fair. Um, overall, what does um, Spain '82 mean to you? Well, I say it was my first my first World Cup kind of thing, my first sort of uh, introduction to that uh, that that kind of that kind of tournament. But, Overall, it's probably kind of patchy, you know, uh, for for the, for the games. There's, there was definitely a handful of uh, of um, great games and interesting games. I remember England beating France three one, and uh, Brian Robson scoring after like twenty seven seconds. I remember the France Kuwait game when the uh, Kuwait team were storming off and protest uh, again. Watching something like that, you've never seen anything, you know, anything like that kind of thing. You know, that's all that kind of stuff is absolutely fascinating. Uh, Northern Ireland. I, I remember watching support Northern Ireland. I mean, I've got this uh, book, Evan Marshall's book, Fools of Wonder. I'm reading at the moment as well, which is about Northern Ireland at the Spain uh, 1982 World Cup. I, I remember, I remember Northern Ireland beating uh, beating Spain and Jerry Arm, Jerry Armstrong scoring. I remember Norm, Norman Whiteside. Obviously, Norman Whiteside was only 17 at the time. Uh, so I, I remember that. I remember that being a being a big deal. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I remember I remember Northern Ireland in that tournament as well, um, mm-hmm. and then like, like I say, the, the Italy Italy Brazil game. And I remember the Italy the Argentina Brazil game as well with Maradona getting sent off. So there was lo- lots of wee lots of wee me- lots of wee memories, lots of wee things that still kind of spark when I think about them, you know. Um, and like I say, that uh, West Germany France final, and and it was a great final as well. I think uh, Italy beating. Uh, Italy beating West Germany. I remember that being a good final as well. So it, it was a kind of game that really did uh, a tournament that really did sort of spark mm-hmm. my love for football. Probably, you know, because um, yeah, I think I was kind of uh, glued to any other football match that was ever on live on the TV after after that point. Yeah, definitely. And it's um, certainly a good, a good tournament. How was your first one? Um, lots of goals, um, lots of standout players, um, iconic kits. So, yeah, definitely a good one to remember. And constantly, I'll need to correct myself on something I said. I said I was playing with Thomas the Tank Engine at that age, but Thomas the Tank Engine wasn't out in 1982. <laughs> maybe 86 um, <laughs> when it was in its season two. So, yeah, it's just a bit of useless information. And finally, Tom, um, you're obviously, your, your book, um, We Made the Mangrey, it's um, where can um, people expect to buy that if they want to add this to their Christmas stocking list this year. Yeah, you can you can buy it online, uh, bookshop.org. You can get it from uh, Amazon. You should be able to get it in uh, any branch of uh, Waterstones, and uh, I'll I'll make sure they have some copies in myself. So you can hit me up on Twitter if anybody wants to put and do a signed dedicated copies as well. I'll sort of ha- hammer that over 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 the Christmas period if anybody wants a, a copy dedicated to somebody. You can hit me up on. Twitter at Tom Brogan, and then I can get I can get one to you if anyone wants one. 
Well, I can. I would certainly recommend it. I've read it, and it's a tremendous read. Um, it certainly um, was good to read in the Sun Loungers in Gran Canaria. So, um, <laughs> but, no, so um, for anyone who wants to read a bit more, certainly get this. It's a good read. Um, but listen, Tom, thank you very much for coming on and reliving, um, you know, Spain '82 and um, particularly um, the Scotland story. And um, yeah, thanks to everyone else for listening. Uh, thanks very much, John, and uh, all the best for your book as well. <laughs> thank you very much.